Welcome to Coffee Talk. I'm Rosa Coelho, your host, lifestyle entrepreneur, health coach, and speaker. I'm thrilled to have you join me as we delve into conversations around optimizing our health, pushing past our fears, pursuing our dreams, and inspiring each other to live a life by design, not by chance. I believe magic happens over coffee and sharing experiences. I've made plans to change careers, move to a new country, organized exciting adventures, and even formed some of my most incredible relationships over coffee. So grab your favorite cuppa, sit back, and enjoy our beautiful chats along with our special guests. You never know when you may hear something that changes everything. Hello, beautiful friends, and welcome back to another episode. I don't know where these weeks are going. They are going quickly. They are going closer to spring, which is a good thing. I've started to call the rain cozy because <laughs> if you can't beat it, you just got to accept it. <laughs> so today I have such an impactful interview for you. This interview was with Alyssa Harriman. And Alyssa, I always refer to her as Canada's sweetheart nutritionist. I just think she's absolutely incredible. And she is very sweet. And she is also a fierce businesswoman. And what I love about Alyssa is not only has she made such an impact on the lives of people when it comes to their health, but she also is very passionate about helping women in particular build successful wellness businesses. So we get into a few different topics in this talk. And one of the topics I love that we get into is she talks about a sign that a lot of women's bodies are giving them and we're kind of just ignoring that sign. And yet it's something that can manifest into something greater down the road if we don't slow down and listen. So you'll want to hear in to find out what that is. She also talks about how she has built such a successful business and what may be holding some people back from building their own successful businesses. And this is key because Alyssa is really passionate about women going out there and making an impact on others and for themselves. So just to share some of Alyssa's incredible experience, she has 15 years researching and teaching nutrition. She's got 11 years specializing in nutritional protocols for those with cancer. I know that was one of the topics that I was so intrigued by early on when I met Alyssa and speaking to her about that experience and working with people who do have cancer. She is also a speaker who lectures annually coast to coast across Canada. She's been a main stage speaker at an international health product conference and what I love, she's been voted best nutritionist for 2010, 2011, 2018, and 2019. But the one thing that I really feel sets Alyssa apart is that she has been teaching at the Edison Institute of Nutrition, and she teaches two very different courses. One is she teaches the Certified Holistic Cancer Practitioner course, and she also teaches the Business of Wellness Consulting course. So pretty incredible that she really has figured out both sides of that. Because I know a lot of people that are passionate about what they do can often kind of suffer when it comes to the business side. So sit back, my friends. There's a lot of value in this episode. Enjoy. Okay, here we go. I'm so thrilled to be doing this episode. We are talking my favorite, favorite topics, health and business with Alyssa. Alyssa Harriman. Welcome, Alyssa. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> it's always so much fun to chat with you. So Alyssa, we're going to just get right into it because we've got a lot of juicy stuff to talk about. And I know that we could probably do future episodes because we have so much we can chat with, chat about, and also just provide so much value for the people listening. So let's start off with, as I've always called you, Canada's like sweetheart, most amazing nutritionist. Oh, <laughs> and yeah, I so admire all the work you do and everything, everything um, you've done for so many out there, including my own health journey. I've learned a ton from you. So let's start with, um, with your own journey, because I believe the most people in this health world, whether it's a nutritionist or a health coach, they usually have their own personal story as to why they felt passionate about this particular career path. So can you share a little bit about your health journey and why you became a, nut a nutritionist? Absolutely. So I grew up as a little girl who wanted to be a doctor. <laughs> and uh, as I got older and was going through high school, um, I didn't come from a lot of resources. And the reality of, of being able to afford med school was kind of 
uh, wasn't right in front of me. So I decided to do the next best thing, which would uh, be become a nurse. And I uh, ended up being a young mom. I was pregnant with our first child. I am a mom of four. And I got pregnant with our first child when I was just 20. So that took nursing school off the table for a little bit. And uh, I decided to start in the healthcare system. Uh, Here in Ontario, we have a career called a personal support worker, which is really like a nurse's aide. And I decided to um, start there, become, you know, a personal support worker. And then my goal was to bridge through to become a nurse and then uh, maybe one day even become a doctor. Um, And while I was working in the healthcare field, I was just completely overwhelmed by the amount of disease uh, that was preventable that I was working with. I was seeing people who had lost total quality of life to things like heart attack and stroke, um, mismanaged diabetes, uh, inflammation that got out of control. And I was a frontline worker caring for these people. And when I would say like, did anybody teach you (laughs) how to prevent this? Mm -hmm. Uh, And and really they were very um, uneducated around it. So I dropped out of this idea of bridging through to become a nurse and totally started a new career as a nutritionist because I really became very passionate about teaching people how to prevent disease. So I guess we, we always end up on the path that we're supposed to be on. Yeah, I've, that's incredible. I didn't know that about you. I didn't know that you went mm-hmm. down. Well, first you wanted to be a doctor and then went down the nursing avenue. And it just goes mm-hmm. to show, you know, you just never know where one path is going to lead. So I always say my grandmother used to have this great quote of, I remember when I was going to become a teacher and I thought, I don't know if that's what I want to do. And she just said, just start because um, mm-hmm. the Portuguese quote is like that knowledge doesn't take up space. It doesn't translate all that well, but the idea is just go and you don't know where it's going to lead to. So I love hearing your story as well and how it started one way and led into this incredible journey of yours. And I couldn't imagine doing anything else. Um, wow. you know, healthcare is very much about disease management and, and we're, mm-hmm. we're not doing anything to help these people uh, preserve their quality of life. We're kind of in a reactive mode. Yeah, so absolutely. Being in nutrition, that health and chemistry and biology is there, but the impact I feel is just enormous yeah, because and- we have an opportunity to prevent these things. Absolutely. And when you spoke about what you saw in the hospital, that just kind of gave me goosebumps because I've spent time with very close family members who sadly have passed on, but way too many who had suffered from cancer. And so I just see what happens kind of like when you're spending every day in the hospital and thinking that Mm -hmm. a lot of it, I'm not saying all the cancers, but a lot of what people are there for is preventable. And I believe we have kind of a similar story in that Um, I also became incredibly passionate about the prevention of disease. But then I remember when I became a personal trainer, people just wanted the weight loss. So I'm like, okay, how do I (laughs) give them what they want, but also kind of get that satisfaction of what I want. And, um, and so I totally understand that part, but how do you, like, I ended up going kind of down the weight loss route for a while. It's not, it's not really an area of passion of mine anymore, but Mm -hmm. how do you kind of sell that to people, this idea of disease prevention, because it's not really a sexy topic. If you say to people, oh, I'm going to teach you how to prevent disease. They're not like jumping at, you know, jumping at the chance (laughs) to be able to take that program or do that. So how do, how do you kind of promote that and work with people on that? Well, I think, so being a nutritionist, weight loss is obviously a a very popular reason that people will search us out. But regardless of why they initiate a relationship with a health practitioner, there's always that opportunity to bring up that conversation around disease Mm -hmm. prevention. Um, And it's always been something that I have kept in all of my uh, my client conversations. Mm -hmm. But we are helping them you know, if it is a weight loss goal, okay, we're, we're improving the diet and focusing on lifestyle and, you know, incorporating physical activity, you know, whether that's through a gym or a personal trainer. But that's we're also funny. discussing what a healthy body needs and what we, they can do in order to build their health and prevent disease down the road. And sometimes it's just a willingness to have a conversation Mm. Um, but it, it comes in, it comes in all. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I don't know of a client that I haven't worked with where 
we haven't had a, a discussion around disease prevention. That's right. And once you have those discussions, they're all in. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. I well, Educated people make educated decisions. So if we can equip people mm-hmm. to be in a position to make a better decision, that, that has a long-term impact for them. Yeah, that's profound. You've actually just made me think of my client and dear friend and kind of marketing master, Callan Rush, who speaks about, because I used to struggle a lot with this kind of, how do I, you know, I want prevention of disease, but how do I, you know, but people Mm -hmm. want weight loss. And I remember her saying, you know, how you market is one thing, but what you teach is really at the root of your values. So people can't come to you unless you're kind of giving them what they think that they want. Mm -hmm. And then once they're yours, then you've got that opportunity to really do the great work and educate and make that massive um, impact. So well, our our job really is, as practitioners is to help them reach their goals so mm-hmm. that they're building confidence and knowledge and skills, but it's also an opportunity to influence them and, and have that long-term impact long after those programs are done, long after they've achieved their results. Yeah, 100%. So before we kind of switch gears, I want to also touch on uh, cancer because I know one of the early things that really kind of attracted me to the work that you do was when I learned of you working with cancer patients. And I just thought that this was um, absolutely incredible that people would pursue a different avenue or maybe in in complementary to Western medicine. Um, can you just talk a little bit about that and, and your work with, with people mm-hmm. that are on their journey with cancer? Absolutely. So <clears throat> cancer is one of those big scary things that um, is hitting more families than ever before. Statistically, uh, it's on the rise. Mm -hmm. More and more uh, people are diagnosed. And we know that, you know, a lot of cancers are preventable in that they are lifestyle and environmentally related. So there are genetic cancers, but the percentage of those is rather small Mm -hmm. compared to you know, these lifestyle-based cancers. And I ended up getting in. So working with cancer was not something as a nutritionist. I, when I first started, I thought I would ever do. I was, it was scary to me Mm -hmm. when I had clients come with a diagnosis, looking for guidance, I would send them to, you know, a naturopath or a different practitioner. And I realized at, at one point that, you know, they're just not being served, which was part of the reason I chose to really specialize my knowledge there. It'll be 12 years now that I've been uh, working with people through cancer, but it was, you know, as it usually is, I had a personal story. My mother-in-law was diagnosed with terminal lung cancer and in her diagnosis, she had relied because of my health education background. She very much relied on me to help her with decisions and to discuss them. And she really wanted to incorporate some natural stuff with the medical treatment she was doing and it really forced me to show up and to start to learn and, and make sure I had educated information to share and we were making good decisions. And unfortunately, the cancer did take her life, but it had sparked this passion in me to help other people to, through this process, watching her go through that and seeing the needs that she had and knowing that statistically these numbers are climbing means that mm-hmm. more and more families. Are, are in this position. So cancer is scary. It's scary for the person who's been diagnosed. Mm-hmm. A lot of people have opinions on what they should and shouldn't do. That's right. And really my job is just to be in their corner. Right. Yeah. I always, um, I always think it's good to have like a, a team of like people, like mm-hmm. you said, that are on your corner because it can get so confusing with information overload. I have a very similar story of um, doing alternative treatments with an aunt who had cancer and sadly passed away as well, but that's what sparked my, my, my love for all of this. Um, talk to me a little bit and we didn't talk about this before, but you had once tied in, cause I just find this so fascinating when you talk about lifestyle mm-hmm. and cancer and yeah. you had tied in the idea of, um, it was a statistic. So if you don't know it, I don't want to put you on the spot, but it had something mm-hmm. to do with when people had their own gardens. Do you remember that? No. <laughs> So, yeah, so I think it's interesting. (laughs) It is interesting. And, you know, our cancer rates aren't climbing on accident. 
Mm-hmm. Like there's, there's a cause and effect for everything. And I was going in to speak to a group of nurses and I thought, okay, you know what? These are medical minded people. They're probably going to want some good hard data. Yeah. And I'm going to just try to figure out what was it that initiated this health crisis that we're facing? Because, you know, year after year, uh, preventable disease like cardiovascular disease and type two diabetes, and you know, in a lot of cases, cancers. A lot of cancers are preventable in my in my belief system, are climbing. So, what was it that we were doing well before this um, serious climb in disease ha- was happening? Mm-hmm. And there was two things that really stood out to me when I was like digging back into, you know, Canadian statistics and, you know, kind of North American statistics. And, you know, I'm not, I don't have them in front of me, so I can't, Mm -hmm. this is not a direct quote by any means, but when families grew their own fruits and vegetables and when mom was home preparing those foods, our rates of disease were significantly lower. And as we saw it become necessary for mom to enter the workforce and we have these two working parents, incredibly mm-hmm. busy families. We then became a society that relies more on convenience, things mm-hmm. that are, you know, fast, what doesn't come can box or frozen yeah, now, incredible. right? And we're not growing our food. We're not eating these natural whole foods and we're eating all of these processed foods that in many cases no longer contain the natural nutrition. Mm-hmm. And in most cases contain, you know, preservatives and flavor enhancers and extra sodium and all of these things that are, are not health promoting in any way. So we have families that are not growing their own food, which means if they're not growing them, they're probably not eating as much as they could because mm-hmm. no families that grow their own eat more. That's right. And now we're eating more processed foods and we have two busy, stressed parents. <laughs> That's right. That's right. It's kind of the perfect recipe, I feel, for what we're dealing with. Yeah, I found that statistic so incredible. And not that, every, you know, not everyone has the opportunity to go out and have this big garden or anything True. like Absolutely. that. But it is, it does make you think of like, what are the principles behind that, that we can still apply to make a change in this area? I agree. Absolutely. Okay. I, you and I could talk about this topic probably for the next hour if we had to. So I'm going to move us along. <laughs> and just one last thing about health. What do you find, especially when it comes to women, what do you feel the majority of women are struggling with when it comes to their health? So I think, and in, in being, a, being a mom with lots of kids myself, I know, and, and women, it's women in general, but yeah. um, I see it a lot in moms is, we kind of take care of everyone else's needs before ourselves, you know, whether Mm -hmm. it's our responsibilities at work or the responsibilities of our kids or looking after our spouse or even aging parents or sick family members. And, you know, health, if we don't look after our bodies, things very slowly start to not function optimally. And one of the very first signs of deficiencies is actually fatigue. So if you're feeling fatigued or, you know, like you're needing a lot of caffeine or sugar to get through your day, that's actually a sign that there's some things functioning optimally. And most of my practice is women. I, you know, I would probably say the women outnumber the men easily eight or nine (laughs) (laughs) clients are women. And by the time I'm working with them, it's because their health is broken down to a point where they have no energy, their immune systems aren't working well, their digestive systems are a mess, mm-hmm. uh, they're not sleeping well, they're depressed, they're anxious, and they're sitting in, you know, with me because they can't get any weight off. Mm. And it's really just this accumulative effect of not making our health a priority one of the things that I love to teach is, you know, when we choose to look after our own body and our own health, we actually show up as a better version of who we are. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that, that's why it's important. But yeah, it just gets, it gets pushed aside. I love, love that you said the first sign is fatigue. It is. Because when we talk to our friends and people around us, 
so many are tired. You ask people, how are you doing? Oh, I'm tired. Or, you know, I woke up tired or I'm just exhausted. And Mm-hmm. To see that as a sign that something is off balance is so powerful because what I have seen is happening is because everyone or the majority of people seem to be tired, we're starting to accept this as a normal thing. Like, oh, if they're tired, it's okay that I'm tired. That's normal. But actually, mm-hmm. it's not. <laughs> Just because <It's> not. <laughs> so many are feeling this way doesn't mean that it's normal. And so right. if anything, if this is a bit of an awakening to the woman out there who is feeling exhausted, like start to look for some help mm-hmm. because it's not, it's not normal. And not only that, you deserve, you absolutely deserve to wake up with energy, to go through your day with energy and then feel tired when it's bedtime. And that's the only absolutely. time we should be feeling tired. Yeah. Powerful. Well, Thank you. We, we, when we're exhausted all the time or when we're, you know, not feeling like our best version that Mm -hmm. impacts like how we parent it impacts our relationship with our spouse. It impacts our productivity at work, everything, everything. And that's just, it's just a little signal. Like the the exhaustion is a signal from your body telling you that something Mm -hmm. is off balance and, you know, it may lead to gut health or adrenal fatigue or, Mm -hmm. um, in, and a variety of things. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's your body saying, okay, <laughs> Wait, like yep. pay attention to me. It's a signal. And it's yeah. when that gets ignored yes. that things often will start to compound. Yes. And absolutely. it's so much harder to fix a whole bunch of stuff than it is to recognize, okay, I'm, you know, there, there's some correction that can be put in place here. Yeah, absolutely. And this moves us so perfectly into the business side of our conversation. And that's because a lot of um, women in our business world, in the health space are feeling tired because they're trying to do it all. And, and it could be quite the balancing act. Um, I'm really passionate as I know you are of seeing health professionals from nutritionists to health coaches to trainers doing incredibly well because the world needs you to put your gifts out there. So if you're not, if you're not um, creating a successful business for yourself so that you can live and thrive off of it, a lot of people are missing out. And I think we've lost a lot of great, great um, health entrepreneurs because they, they weren't able to kind of succeed at the business side of things, even though they were incredibly gifted in terms of helping others and healing others. So let's move on because you guys are all, our listeners are in for such a treat because Alyssa is not only an incredible nutritionist, but she's incredibly an incredibly successful entrepreneur. And I just want to talk about this because this is like super incredible. You were voted best local nutritionist in 2018. And then if that wasn't enough, you were the best <laughs> nutritionist nationally in 2019. So that's massive. And now I know that you lecture um, across Canada on business. And I just want to talk, let's talk a little bit about that. Did you uh, I know that you worked for other people as mm-hmm. a nurse, but mm-hmm. see, since you became a nutritionist, have you always been an entrepreneur or did you work for someone else? Where did this kind of entrepreneurship part of your journey start? Well, I, I definitely think, you know, it, it, sh- I, I, I think it was born an entrepreneur if that's mm. even possible. Yeah. Um, as a child, I always had business ideas and dreamed of being my own boss, but, you know, going through high school and, I really was convinced that success was just having a good paying job. And mm-hmm. it was really that healthcare experience and, you know, seeing, um, well, one experiencing, you know, working holidays and shift work and missing birthdays, uh, all of those things just didn't resonate with who I was. Uh, I, I like freedom. I like to be, I am a hard mm-hmm. worker. I like to do a good job. Uh, and I just didn't feel appreciated. And in, in a lot of cases, I just felt like I had lost so much personal freedom. Right. So oh, it was gosh. my healthcare experience that definitely sealed the deal on, on wanting to be an entrepreneur. And it took me a couple of years to really get my business off the ground. I struggled like all new entrepreneurs do. Uh, I just didn't quit. And, yeah, powerful. And I really just, absolutely. I just built this resilience and uh, I've never stopped being a student. I love that so much. I, the, the bit that you say, are you, that you were born an entrepreneur? I do think there are, the people are born an entrepreneur. I know when I 
became a school teacher because I didn't know what else to become. Mm -hmm. I felt the exact same thing. Everything you're talking about, the lack of freedom. I remember thinking, I don't want to have to take my break at this time every (laughs) single day or be told when I should have lunch. Or I know people always say teachers have the best holidays. And I'm like, yeah, but they have to be when we're told to take them, try and take a day outside of that. It's impossible. (laughs) And, Uh you know, people are born to teach. So there's people within that profession that absolutely thrive in it and it's for them. But I believe it's just about being a Mind of what's inside you. And for me, I believe it was one knowing that maybe it was that entrepreneur spirit, but not really knowing how to find it or, or what the path was, especially being raised uh-huh. in the eighties and early nineties. That wasn't really a thing so much as it is. As well, it is now. I, I feel too that entrepreneurs get determined their worth, right? And sometimes mm-hmm. at first you don't, you become an entrepreneur and then your, your, your personal you know, the value you put on things is a little bit low. Uh, But I would have never earned in healthcare or as an employee what I earn as an entrepreneur, but also have had the freedom that I have as an entrepreneur. Like I've been able to make my, my family be a priority over my business, but not sacrifice income in making my family a priority. Yeah. Powerful for a woman to be able to do that. That's incredible. Mm -hmm. I want to talk about, um, so we're going to, we're going to going to talk about the steps that have made your business successful. And like you said, you struggled like anyone mm-hmm. else and, and, uh, struggling is part of it. There's no way around that. <laughs> I think you kind of have to not be great until you can be incredible. Yeah. You've got to be willing to go through that, but you have achieved great success. At what point did you realize you wanted to actually teach the success to others as well. Why did it become so important for you to see others succeed as well? Mm, I love that question. It's so I think, um, I think most health practitioners are, are do it because they genuinely want to help other people. And when I had kind of unlocked the code or, you know, cracked the code in, in terms of what it took me to build a successful practice, I just, I didn't feel insecure about sharing it. I, I definitely am a believer that there's more than enough success to go around for everyone. We don't need Yay. to build insecurely. We don't have to um, have, you know, like these secrets that make us successful. No, I just, I'm just, it's not who I am. And being able to share how I had grown a successful business with other uh, individuals in the wellness industry meant that more people who had like if a practitioner has a successful business it's because they're positively impacting lots of people mm-hmm. so if i can play a role in helping give that person some tools and you know some skills to build a more successful business ultimately at the end of the day together we're positively impacting more people I love that. I love that so much. And it's what I love about you and your spirit and the way you really look at other people is that you do, you see, you're so supportive of everyone else's success. You've been supportive of my own success and been such a cheerleader and we're not affiliated in any way. And I just think Mm -hmm. that is so powerful and beautiful to see. And you're right. I've always thought that way too. I know when I was personal training in London, it could be pretty cutthroat at times. And Uh I used to think, but there's so many people out there. (laughs) Like there really is no (laughs) need for this. And people are attracted to different people within the profession as well. Uh, You know, not everybody is meant to be my client. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we're, we, we work with the people that we're meant to help. I, I truly believe that when I look at the cases I've had, And we don't limit our success by helping somebody else be successful. Yes, absolutely. I love that so much. Um, Alyssa, you also, you don't just teach other, other, other health professionals Mm -hmm. how to be successful, but you specifically teach a course at the Edison Institute of Nutrition. I mean, that's incredible. So tell me a little bit about how that came to be. For sure. Well, it (laughs) came from that, you know, that willingness to mentor. Um, We had, I had had some nutritionists who had just reached out to me through social media and I was, you know, volunteering a little bit of time to guide them. And they happened to be students of the school. And uh, I don't even remember the the exact, uh, you know, kind of process what happened, but I ended up on a phone call with the school after a while. And 
shared with, uh, you know, ended up sharing with them that, you know, I have this business course that I, I do teach and, you know, I'd be really interested in you guys having a look at it and they loved it. And since 2012, so for eight years now, wow. it has been the business course at the school. And it's such a great opportunity to give people some skills before they actually go out. And try oh to my goodness. Absolutely. Because <laughs> some of us had to learn the hard way. <laughs> yes. I mean, even when I became a personal trainer, I, I was a personal trainer and massage therapist in the UK. And mm-hmm. there was, I don't even know if we did a business. I don't think we were taught anything about business other than I wasn't go out there and apply at a gym, which was not the route that I was going to go down. So I was like, well, what else can I do? Because I knew I was not going to be in a conventional gym, but there was no, there was no guidance. I was really blessed to have been hired at a, a private studio where my, mm. um, the owner of the studio was incredible. And he taught me so much about the online world in like 2006, 2007, which was all still quite new. And so I'm grateful for that opportunity because it definitely was not taught in the, in the college of, yeah, it was, I remember being a year or two into my practice and, you know, we had young children and a mortgage and my husband had a stable job, but I just remember him coming home one day and being like, you're going to have to get a job. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no, (laughs) This is not working for us. And I was just like, devastated, but it was that necessity of, okay, I really need to make it work. And I think that right. if you don't have necessity in your business, if it's, if it, if you don't have to make it work, a lot of times we won't. Yes. And I, at that point I just started studying business. There wasn't a business book I would leave unread. I just, and from there in growing my knowledge, you know, was able to create a plan um, for my business that I then turn that plan into this course that I teach. Well, the one thing I already got from you is even you teaching the course at the college is because you were a go-getter. You didn't sit back and wait (laughs) for the college to approach you. And so I can also already see why your success has come to be and what part of that plan is, but can we touch on, you know, why are so many, and I believe women, probably struggle a bit more than men in this. Why are they struggling to get their wellnesses, wellness businesses off the ground and create a really good income for themselves unapologetically? Uh, you touched a tiny bit about that, making it a necessity, but can you add a little bit more to that? For sure. I think probably two things might show up. I work with a lot of women as students as well. So I, I see it there's definitely that necessity. Like if, if you don't have another option, um, you're going to take it a lot more seriously and dive into it. I find that when we have a buffer in place, there's a little bit of a, a reason that, well, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But I think in just my experience in, in coaching uh, business women in the wellness industry, it usually comes down to worthiness. And feeling worthy of what they're charging, you know, um, you know, having other people see the value in them that that they like of what they offer, and these worthiness issues that that come into their business determine how much they're going to earn. And if you value yourself and you value your knowledge, and you know, you you've uh, built your confidence in that way, you're going to earn what you deserve. And I really feel that our income is a reflection of how much we value ourselves. Oh, that's powerful. Because I think if you were to ask someone or suggest that to someone, they think, no, 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 I I feel worthy. I feel worthy. But when we Mm -hmm. start to be really honest with ourselves and start to kind of peel back the layers, I completely agree with you that that's a huge part of why so many women are having a hard time charging what what they're mm-hmm. worth and what their programs or products or whatever it is. Absolutely. Are, are well, worth. and what I also see will happen is these little sabotages that will show up in our business. Oh, so, you those. know, pro- procrastination, for example, mm. or not following up with someone, you know, you need to follow up with or not booking a show or booking a talk or promoting your products. Well, like these are all little ways that we sabotage our success 
because of that insecurity kind of creeping up, like what if no one likes it? Or <laughs> what if I put yes. myself out there and nobody wants this? And so we'll do everything but what we should be doing. <laughs> That's right. And it's really fear and insecurity that is showing up in our business in the form of sabotage. I love how you really word that clearly that it's sabotage because a lot of people can it be is. just like, oh, I'm just lazy or I forgot and kind of not look too deep into it again. And it's like asking yourself, why am I actually not doing that part of my business that needs to get done? What am I telling Brilliant. myself about What this? am I telling myself? Yeah, yeah. Powerful. So let's go on to you talked about the code. I love that. <laughs> what are what are strategies that you've applied that have played a big role in your success that others can look into and that it can really get them going as well? Absolutely. This is a probably, uh, it was, you had shared this question with me and I was thinking on it because there's definitely things that I've incorporated into you know, my career that have had a huge impact and, and definitely things that I share um, with wellness practitioners who are trying to grow their business. One is check your community. <laughs> like, yeah. You really like, are you plugged into people who are growing you, stretching you, inspiring you, or are you plugged into people who are justifying your excuses with you <laughs> or yes. don't necessarily believe in what you're doing? Um, there's, there's a, a, a lot of people in my life who thought I was crazy to leave a healthcare job, <laughs> to, you know, with a full <laughs> pension to become I an entrepreneur <laughs> in an industry that my family in, in particular, a lot of my family didn't understand. Like I had some good supports in my mom and dad and husband, but outside of them, you know, I, I kind of look like a crazy person. Yeah. This is 15 years ago. <laughs> this is before like, you know, this big wellness revolution really hit. So, you know, you have to have, if you want to be successful, you have to have community that's speaking into that uh, and mentors, having people that have achieved more success than you. I if love that. Right. If you're talking to a bunch of people who have not built successful businesses and don't have that experience, they're not necessarily going to help you level up. That's right. You just made me remember a time when I left teaching Mm -hmm. and my mom was super supportive as it sounds like yours was as well, which is always a really, it's a very lucky thing to have. But I remember my mom would be approached by her friends and having people ask her like, are you sure? Like, why is Rosa doing this? And she has such a good job and such a good pension. And the worst is if you're good at your job, that almost makes it harder because they're like, but she's such a good teacher. Why would, you know, those kids need her and why would she leave that? So it was interesting how people put their fears on on you or the mm-hmm. people around you. Well, the management at the healthcare facility that I worked, they actually tried to talk me out of resigning. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, you just don't understand. Like, you're not going to have a steady income. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm going to be living in my purpose every single day. So that matters to me a little bit yeah. more. <laughs> and that's a thing. I believe you were obviously very good at your job as well, which is why they wanted you to stay. Mm-hmm. And that sometimes could be more difficult than it is if you're not good at it or you're not liking it or so that's well, powerful. Check your community. Uh, check your community. And then, I didn't expect you to say that, but that's powerful. It's so important. And, you know, being, being willing to be un- like afraid and uncomfortable and, you know, there's a lot of um, risk that can show up in, in building your own business and building up your reputation and not, you're not going to be everyone's cup of tea. So being willing to lean into that a little bit, that was difficult. I have a very strong people pleasing tendency so knowing that people might not approve or that was, that was, I had to lean into that for quite a while. That's great that you share that. Cause I think that's a lot, a lot of us mm-hmm. have that element to us. I think it's kind of normal human nature as well. And just a matter of how loud that voice is. And, and I, you, if your mission is big enough, it'll get you through that. My, I cared more about making a difference. I wanted to become a voice. So when I worked in healthcare and I was working, you know, taking care of people who had mobility issues from, you know, a heart attack or stroke, or they lost a leg or a limb to unmanaged diabetes. Like these were the situations I was working in. And when I became a nutritionist, I was just like, my mission was to become a voice for these people in that 
I wanted to help prevent those experiences for other people. Mm. So that mission, that, that, that purpose really, when, when that fear would show up, I, I just always remembered, okay, this is why I'm doing this. And if you don't have clarity around that, those uncomfortable positions are going to show up or those are uncomfortable instances that are going to show up and you're going to cave. Yeah. I love that. So make your mission bigger than your fear. Um, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, and fears, it, sh- it still shows up for me and worthiness still shows up for me. But yeah. purpose is so clear that I'm able to just muscle through it. Beautiful. And I love that because so many people look at people who are incredibly successful and think, oh, they must have no fear left, which is how they got there. But it's not, it's not true. So thank you for your honesty. Yeah. We, we all feel it. We all have self-doubt. We all get up in the morning and go, oh my That's gosh, right. can I really do this? But it's a decision to move forward Brilliant. and to recognize when the sabotaging is showing up because I, I, I can get busy being busy so I'm like, oh, I had such a busy day. But then when I look back at the work, I might not have actually accomplished anything. Yes. And I have to, I had really. to learn to call <laughs> myself on that, right? And be like, okay. Um, yeah. So it definitely, the other thing I, I say is make sure, you know, study with people who've created success. So, you know, take a business course, um, you know, find somebody who can help you create a, a game plan, have a business plan. And that really creates clarity around the action steps that you can take. I find a lot of entrepreneurs, specifically in the wellness industry, they're there, they want to help, they're passionate, but they don't actually have an action plan in place. They don't have steps that they're working through and not having that can lead to frustration. And then that frustration just feeds that self-doubt and then it just kind of falls apart from there. So if you have an action plan and you are focused and moving forward, it really makes a big difference in, in how you feel as well. Yes, absolutely. And I, you know, as someone in the health industry, you always gravitate towards taking courses to learn more about your craft. Mm-hmm. What else can you learn about health? And because that's our comfort zone. But investing, like you said, in the business side of it, in the side that's actually going to create mm-hmm. this engine that's going to make this run. And then later you can keep investing in the health side because it's a passion. But um, I love that piece of advice because that's where I see a lot of people not investing in that area, the area that's mm-hmm. actually going to help the business to grow. Absolutely. I take one business course a year every year for 15 years. Incredible. Wow. Incredible. <laughs> but, it, and it's, it's usually in something I'm interested in learning or understanding and it's not to become an expert. It's just to grow and deepen my knowledge and make sure that my action plan is working in today's world. Beautiful. Beautiful. Okay. So I've got check your community, mm-hmm. make your mission bigger than your fear invest in the business side of either taking a course or a coach so that you have a clear action plan. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah. Beautiful. That's three very powerful pieces of advice. And for our listeners, I believe it's so easy to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard that before, <laughs> but I used to be that kind of person. Oh, I've heard that before. Yeah. I heard it, but I, did I truly listen? And did I take action? Because so often we hear people that are successful and they're giving, literally giving us their code and we think, oh, there must be more to it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's how, how can I apply these three things to my business right now? Yeah. Incredible. All right. What would you, sorry, I'm just kind of backing up because Mm -hmm. we're answering our questions within our questions, which I love. (laughs) But what would you say to the woman at home who has a passion for health? Maybe they're not, they're not in this health world yet. They haven't taken that leap, but they do. They just have this passion for for health. Maybe they've been on their own health journey and they realize that they're already inspiring the people around them, but they'd actually like to start to make this a business. What can they do? Mm. I know for me, for example, when I was teaching, I knew, I always knew that I wouldn't be a teacher for life. I knew that that was kind of buying me a little bit of time 
to, until I found my passion and don't get me wrong. I love teaching. And when I was there, I, I did it to the best of my ability, but mm-hmm. I knew that there was just something more. And I remember people saying, Oh, you should become a nutritionist. Cause I was so, so interested in nutrition, but I was like, Oh, my teaching degree was a five-year degree. I, at this point in life, do not want to go and get another degree. And so by chance, I ran into this incredible woman who had just um, gone to college and became a personal trainer and massage therapist. And I thought, and she did it part-time while working. And I thought, this is so perfect. So that's the avenue that I took. So what do you say to the women that are like, I don't necessarily want to go out and get a degree or become a nutritionist, but Mm -hmm. I do really want to make a difference. And I would love to build a business around it. What, what advice would you give them? It's such a great question because, you know, you don't have to be an expert to positively impact other people. And so I work with a lot of women who are not nutritionists. Um, I work with a, a, a health uh, company that's a direct sales business as well. And in that, we're able to attract, you know, individuals, women and men, a lot of women, but individuals who want to be on a health journey themselves. They want to be plugged into a community that's inspiring their healthy lifestyle, that's keeping them on track, that's motivating them. But they do have that helper's heart and they want to inspire other people to live a healthier lifestyle. And I think that's what I love so much around the direct sales industry is you can find a company and a product line that you absolutely love. They're going to teach you. They're going to train you. They're going to give you an opportunity to be a part of a community that's going to fill you. Like I I can't even describe the value I get from my community uh, with this health company that that value alone is just, it makes every second of being a part of that company worth it. But there's also that opportunity to learn and to share your journey and really just become a lighthouse for other people in that way. And what has been so amazing to watch, because I've, I've only been in the direct sales industry now for seven years. So the first half of my career was 100% traditional business. And now I'm in, you know, I I do traditional business, plus I have this direct sales business. I see the impact and the much far, like a much further reach uh, through moms sharing healthy living with other moms than I, like this reach and this impact is way bigger than I ever would have been able to have in my private practice. Oh my goodness. I feel like this area of direct sales <laughs> is yeah. going to be something I'll have you back on for one day because we could go on for a long time about <laughs> this um, in a way that would provide people with a ton of value. Mm-hmm. I know for myself, I fell into direct sales my mm-hmm. within the first few months of becoming a personal trainer because I found a product that I loved and didn't actually um, understand anything about direct sales. But 12 mm-hmm. years ago was a long, was a while ago. And I've stayed with it and stayed with the same company because of my passion, because of the personal growth and the learning that's gone with that. But what's been so interesting for me as a, as a kind of in this health industry, um, following other personal trainers, health coaches online with that have a huge reach and Mm -hmm. all of a sudden it's coming out that they have been part of a direct sales company for years as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I think so many of us, and, and it's big names. I'm not going to name drop because there's quite a few. And, yeah. um, but we used to be really quiet about this. And I love that so many people are now speaking up about how this could be an incredible way for someone at home that has a passion for health or for someone already in the health industry looking to create a bigger reach and, and security. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, like I said, we can go on about that, but it's a beautiful thing. So I'm so happy that you touched on that as a real opportunity for mm-hmm. people. It really is. And, and, you know, definitely do your research. That's <laughs> one thing yes. that I think, you know, you, you'll find the right community and the right company and the right products. And it's just this beautiful opportunity for continual personal growth. And 
the most amazing thing about personal growth is when you grow you, everything around you grows. Absolutely. Absolutely. I would say the only thing about direct sales that I would also say in terms of do your research, but mm -hmm. also if you decide this is the path for you, you've got to put the work in. <laughs> it's a, it's yeah. a business like any yes. other business. And I, I believe that's sometimes what happens in direct sales is people start to treat it more like a hobby. And if you want to do it as a little bit of a hobby, that's the beauty of it as well. But if you're looking at it as creating a real business for you, then you've got to treat it like a real business. Absolutely. If you have big goals, big business goals, then yeah, absolutely. But this is, there's no better field where you can buy basically a franchise of the company and they're going to train you and teach you how to participate in wellness without mm -hmm. having to necessarily spend four years going back to school. That's right. Incredible. And like you said, it, everyone has the ability to influence people around them. Mm -hmm. And for me, there's no, no greater thing than, especially when you influence a mom to make better choices for herself, that impacts her children, her husband, and often extended family as well. So it's, it's like this beautiful ripple effect. Absolutely it is. And that's what I mean when I share like my impact is so much bigger in this company is the girls and the core people that I'm working with and, you know, helping them build their businesses. They're, they're all moms Love and that. they are building these big organizations and which is really just a reflection of the number of families that they're also influencing and helping. And if it wasn't for this model, this business model, mm -hmm. there's thousands and thousands of families that wouldn't have access to these healthy living strategies or these products or this community. And it's really because of these women who just have this passion for being on healthy living journey themselves, but also sharing that journey with other people. You're beautiful. Oh, I love it so much, Alyssa. <laughs> okay. We're going to change directions and this is going to be yes. a bit out of left field for our listeners, but it's, <laughs> it's just something that I feel is so important for us to touch on. And the reason I'm bringing it up is because you have been pretty public about it. You've mm -hmm. posted on social media about it and that's that you gave up drinking. It's been okay. two years. Yes. So tell us, tell us about this journey and why you decided to quit? So, you know, I, I, if you had, if I just said two years ago that I'm not going to drink for two years, <laughs> I don't know <laughs> that, that I would have believed you. So I was looking to level up two years ago. I was looking to level up in my health. I ate well, I, I take good health products. Um, I wasn't as physically active as I wanted to be, but was kind of using the, the lack of time excuse there. And so instead of getting a gym membership, I thought, well, you know what, I'm just going to eliminate alcohol um, from my lifestyle for the next 30 days. And mm -hmm. I wasn't a heavy drinker. I wouldn't say that I had, you know, a drinking problem by any means. Um, but I was a glass of wine every single night kind of mom. <laughs> I was definitely using it to medicate just to kind of relax. I was looking forward to my big glass of wine. Uh, it was nothing for my husband and I to enjoy a few drinks on the weekend, which, you know, again, is very socially the norm. Yeah. If we had a social event or, you know, a celebration, you know, we get together with people from, our, you know, the company that I work with, uh, it was nothing to party <laughs> and enjoy right. it. So I was recognizing that alcohol was showing up. My job's very social. So my alcohol was showing up more than I wanted it to. And it had just become an unhealthy habit. And I thought, you know what, I'm just going to, I'm going to let it go for 30 days. So I became really committed. I was really shocked at how hard it was. Mm. Um, yeah. I, it really kind of a few days in, I was like, wow, <laughs> do, do I have a drinking problem? Like, why is this feeling so difficult? And by the end of the 30 days, I'd had a good health result. I'd lost 15 pounds. Wow. Um, just from giving up alcohol. Wow. Just from giving up alcohol. And, and sure you did not have a lot of weight to lose, just so people no. know. 15 pounds and, off of you is a lot. And I think part of it was the food that was going with the alcohol and those extra calories on the weekend mm -hmm. and stuff. So I, I had lost 15 pounds. I kept that 15 pounds off, which just thrills me. But it was at the end of that 30 days when I was like, okay, I've hit my target. And all I could think about was, if I have a glass of wine tonight, I'm going to go back to those old habits. Mm. Like those habits were very much a part of my life. 
So I thought, well, I'll do another 30 days. And at the end of those 30 days, I still felt like I had a glass of wine. I'm going to have a glass of wine every night. It's not a lot, but, and I felt the same heading in month after month and a year goes by. And then I just knew I was like, this is not a healthy part of a lifestyle for me. And all of the amazing experiences and conversations I've had and, and connections over removing alcohol from my life, you know, at this point, it's just been such a positive change. Oh, I love that. And especially because again, you're more of a social drinker. I love your honesty about saying how hard it is. And I think that's a good challenge for people. Sometimes Mm -hmm. we don't realize how much a habit has become part of our lives until we give it up. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, I believe when a habit has control over us, if it's not a positive one, then it's something to really look at. What are the health professional what are what implications do you see alcohol has on women? Because I've heard some pretty scary statistics out there, and I don't need you to give me statistics because mm-hmm. I know yeah. I'm putting you on the spot, but you must see the implication of it on the lives of women. I think, you know, it's it's definitely alcohol is not part of a healthy diet. <laughs> you know, you'll never go to a nutritionist and she's like, and we're gonna you're gonna drink two glasses of wine every night. Like, it's just it's not gonna happen. <laughs> right. Um, so it, you know, it, it is a little taxing on the body. If it's here and there, it's not that big of a deal, but if it's, if it's showing up regularly in your life, like it was for me, um, there, you know, that impacts your liver, that impacts your stomach lining. But I think more importantly, it's understanding why you're using it. You know, a, a lot of us don't realize, like I didn't realize or associate that I was using that big glass of wine every night as medication to help relax myself, right? to get myself out of that work mode. I had to create new healthy habits to help my body and my mind shut off at the end of the day versus using alcohol. And the other thing that it shows up for sometimes, and I see this, is it can be um, a form of sabotage. Ooh. Right. Because, you know, I didn't make business calls or answer business calls or even answer messages once I poured that glass of wine. Right. And, and a lot of times I was using the, you know, my, my glass of wine or, or the weekends. I, you know, I didn't get back to people as, as often as I do now. I, I'm very boundaried around my work. I, my family time is family time. Work time is work time. But it, it definitely I, I was sharing with someone at a conference uh, in the fall that when I gave up alcohol my business grew wow (laughs) makes sense and I think that it's it's just for you if you're sitting here and you've been kind of contemplating "Mm, maybe this is something I need to get rid of or I cut back on or let go there's a reason you're having that conversation with yourself and sometimes the realization of why you're using it doesn't show up until it's gone so give yourself a 30-day challenge and dig into you know, why am I missing this or am I missing this? And, and just building, you know, your health from there. Love that. That's awesome. Seriously powerful honesty. Thank you so much. Welcome. Okay. We're nearing the end. Alyssa, okay. it's making me sad because <laughs> we can keep going, <laughs> but okay. So let's go on. I ask everyone these two final questions. Okay. And one of them is the tagline of this show, which is um, that you never know when you may hear something that changes everything. And so can you think of a moment when you heard something that changed things for you? I think it, because you sent me this and I was really kind of thinking of those moments in our life where, um, we just, it defines and, and shapes how we show up right in our world. And, you know, I had two very, very hardworking parents. Um, And they just taught me, you know, whatever you do, work hard and do it with all your heart. Like, Mm. don't half-ass anything, excuse me for swearing, but (laughs) you know, you just, if you're going to go half in, there's no point. (laughs) Right. And I, I think that that's always served me as an adult because if I commit to something, I'm all in. Beautiful. And and, and that's what's really helped, you know, my health journey and also, you know, my professional journey as well. Yes. And that's what I've seen from you a hundred percent in the time that we've known each other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love that. You're a great role model for many of us. All right. So what does 
living life by design mean for you? You know, I think it's living life by design is purposely choosing the impact you're going to have. You know, at the end of the day, mm -hmm. I want to know that the work I'm doing is, is truly benefiting people. And I believe that success is actually the reflection of the number of people that you are genuinely helping. Oh, beautiful. That one just gave me goosebumps. <laughs> oh, Alyssa, I can't believe our time's come to an end. Thank you so much. I can't wait to go back and hear all of the incredible value that you've shared with us today. So oh thank you because I know for, time is precious and I really appreciate thank you yours. for asking and uh, thank you for doing these shows. Like they are, I've listened to them. They're incredibly powerful and you are having an amazingly positive impact on anybody who, who's listening to these. So thank you, Rosa, for, for putting these together. Thank you. Thanks so much, Alyssa. All right. Thanks, All right. thanks everyone. Thanks for listening. Thank you so much for listening in today. I know time is precious and I'm grateful you shared yours with me. It would mean the world to me if you felt an impact, a moment of inspiration, or learned something new. If you would share it with those you care about and leave me a review on iTunes. I'd love to know what spoke to you or what you'd like to hear more of. Your sharing and leaving a review would help so much on this journey to making an impact on as many people as possible. It's worth it. I know from experience, there are moments when something we hear has the possibility of changing everything.